Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast, finally, what's in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So we're just going to go right into our monthly topic. It's also probably the biggest news that we can talk about, and that is Vincent Kennedy McMahon finally retires. Uh, Aaron, what do you think about this retirement? And uh, do you think there's uh, something else going on that we should probably talk about? <laughs> Well, I don't think we're going to talk about like uh, all the stuff that's going on. You know, one of the reasons for his retirement, of course, is that there were a string of allegations that were put forth of sexual misconduct and using company money to potentially pay some people off, which, of course, is a big no-no, especially in a publicly traded company. Um, that aside, Vince retiring is a huge deal because he had, you know, a lot of people, I think myself included, I think everybody really thought that he would die while he is a, you know, the president, the CEO of WWE. That's what I think a lot of us expected. Like he would, you know, one day we'd wake up and he happened to, to pass away. Like he, what's he going to do in retirement? You know, Vince doesn't strike me as the guy that's going to go and, and go golfing, you know, like he's not going to be on the links, you know, in the morning to hit the golf balls around. I think that WWE was his life. And I don't know what he's going to do in retirement. Uh, I, that's the thing. I think that the human aspect will be interesting. WWE themselves, though, I feel like they're going to be in a really good spot. And I know a lot of you probably will feel similar, but I think that there is going to be some really positive changes that are going to come that is going to make having the current wrestling landscape a much better place in particular because we have AEW, which is a great alternative. Now we have WWE that may be lifting themselves back up to a, you know, the powerhouse that they used to be. So I think that it's going to be a really great time for wrestling fans. And I'm really looking forward to this year's WrestleMania, which I know is almost a year away. I'm actually looking forward to it because I think that the pay-per-views are going to be something that you want to see versus what they've been in the past, which is like, yeah, I'll watch Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. I'll be good. It's a complete shock that he is uh, stepping down. Um, it's it's on the reasons behind him stepping down are not necessarily surprising. Uh, I think that the fact that they're finally coming out now is a little bit weird. Uh, I think there was a better time for all this stuff to come out. But uh, I will say for the first time in a long time, I'm actually excited for uh, WWE to, to come back and be competitive against AEW. Uh, you have uh, Triple H now ahead of Creative, which if he can do the same thing he was doing in NXT up on on Raw, and now he has all his his main people on Raw and SmackDown, and he can formulate the situations. I, I do think that you're going to see Vince though in the background wearing like a mustache and a hat, uh, kind of doing like the Bobby Valentine when he got kicked out of the game. He'll just be in the background just standing there and then basically still coaching from behind the scenes. Um, Cause I don't think he'll ever actually fully step away. Um, but I think everything is going to be in name. It's going to be in triple H. It's going to be Stephanie McMahon. It's going to be, uh, uh, was it Nick Khan? So, uh, I, you know, I, I thought for sure that this was, you know, when he stepped down that they were going to be selling the company 
Um, but I think with these moves as they are right now, it's it's still going to be a McMahon legacy, and it's going to be Stephanie's to to control from here on out. To say this is the biggest news of the year is maybe the understatement of the decade. Like if you had gone back at the beginning of the year and said, you know, what's the odds that Vince McMahon steps away from WWE? I would have said no chance in hell. Like the, I, you know, like Aaron said, I assumed he was going to die at his desk because Vince just doesn't seem like the type who's just going to say I'm done. And obviously, look, he didn't walk away of his own choice. Whatever happened, he did something obviously enough where they said you got to go, whether it was embezzlement or misconduct or a combination of both. I think the the bigger point is WWE now for the first time looks like it could be interesting and not in a, Oh, look, there's one match that you care about, but more so there's a direction that I care about triple H. If he can replicate what he did at NXT, which is not a given. Like I do think people are making this assumption that, Oh, this formula worked at NXT. So now I 100% know it's going to work on the main roster. There are many, many structural flaws up on that main roster that don't exist in NXT. And he's going to have to learn how to book with a more stable roster. It's not like he's going to get a new influx of talent every six months as other people leave. He's going to have to deal with the fact that raw is still three hours. I don't care how good your show is. Three hours is just not entertaining to watch week in and week out. So, you know, unless you can put on pay-per-view quality every week, which is not really logical. They couldn't do that in NXT. That's going to be tough. Um, And then, you know, I think if you look at some of the wrestlers right now, you know, Brock Lesnar to me is a question mark. I don't know if he comes back because I don't see Brock being treated the same way that he wants to be treated with Vince. And I think that's a good thing. Like I love Brock and I enjoyed his run. Time to go. Like, you know, I don't need even Drew McIntyre made a joke of like, oh, look, it's Brock versus Roman seven or whatever. So and there's a lot of other people. Wild questions like, what is your role in this company? And then there are some people who it was smart to bring back, whether it's Karrion Cross or Dexter Loomis, Dakota Kai. Like there's a list of people who are like, oh, in Triple H's WWE, they will get used. And for the first time, I know I'm going to look at the guys in NXT and wait for them to be ruined. Now it's a question of well, who who fits and who doesn't. And I think that's what's interesting. And when we get to next year's WrestleMania is when I think you're going to finally see that shift in that's going to be Triple H's NXT crew and maybe some of the people who fit. A lot of people are going to be gone because, you know, Vince loved him, but that doesn't mean Hunter does. And Hunter's always looked at things very differently. You know, if I'm Baron Corbin or Omos or Commander Aziz, I might get that resume polished. A gender Mahal. I mean, these guys don't bring value in the way that hunter wanted he never wanted you just to be a big me head i mean you know just is what it is bobby lashley he's fine he's talented those other guys they might be gone i would like to see how many um guys are what since they've left um nxt or or i'm sorry nxt or wwe that went to aew i'm curious to see how many of those people are like man if i would just waited it out like i'm i'm curious because I think you would have seen the Undisputed Era still down in NXT. Um, well, how many of them truthfully left of their own free will? Like, most of them were cut. It wasn't like Andrade had a tr- – I mean, maybe he asked for his release. But a decent amount of them were released. I mean, Karrion Cross didn't ask to be cut. He was cut. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, Adam Cole, his contract expired. And I know Adam yep. Cole said that it was a tough decision because he was working with Shawn Michaels and Triple H, who were some idols of his. And even though he was going to be with his girlfriend, which obviously he's very happy to be with her, there could have been a chance that Britt Baker could have shown up in WWE. You know, there could have been a chance. But, you know, with what is going on, you know, with like potentially cutting his hair or being the the mouthpiece for somebody else, like, I'm sorry, what? Like, he's putting on four-star matches night in and night out, and you want him to be a manager? 
Like I'm confused as to what you have going on here, but you know that I, I think for Adam Cole, it was, the, it was, that was the best move. That was the smart business move for a uh, career move for him. But like in five years, I think uh, Tony Khan said that he has a contract for five years when that's up. He could potentially go back if he wanted to. We could see some shifting of landscapes, you know, back and forth, uh, which is a good thing. I mean, I, I think having options is awesome. The 90s WCW versus WWF was great. Like, I mean, like Jericho showing up was a highlight for me. That was so huge to see something like that. And obviously going back to see the NWO, you could potentially see something else like that. Do you see now that Triple H is ahead of creative a possible forbidden door between AEW or WWE? Absolutely not. 100% no. Nah, because if if Vince was there and Vince was open to it, it would happen, but it would be, you may get like maybe one top person and they're going to let them beat someone who's a mid-carder. And WWE is going to want to have, you know, like their top guys beat whoever they bring in. And because if you have them lay down, you're going to be like, ooh, um, but with Triple H involved, I think Triple H is going to be thinking, you know, maybe years down the road, but we need to concentrate on what we have as a company first, and then we can discuss possible um, Forbidden Door. Or if they're going over, like, we'll say, like, to Japan for a tour, they could have, you know, someone from NJPW maybe show up. Um, or if they go to Mexico with CM- CMLL, you know, it could be a lot. They could do something like that, and that would be fine especially if it's for a one-off. But I think if you're going to really open that door, I think you need to have it. They need to be stable for a few years before we should really consider um, having that door open. It also needs to be something that benefits WWE. And the only way that it benefits WWE is a Japan thing. Like they really have never made inroads in Japan. So I could see if NJPW didn't have that working relationship with AEW, then I could see maybe that discussion. So maybe WWE reaches out to all Japan, but at the end of the day, they're just, they are the top. They're the king of the mountain. They don't need to help anybody else come up because they're already making money hand over fist. So a forbidden door exchange is like they're doing someone else a favor. And this isn't the 90s. They don't need to prop ECW up. There's, like I said, maybe if WWE were to lose money and start to be in the tank, so be it. But right now, no chance. No yeah, chance. And, and it, essentially, WWE then is saying AEW is on our level. And that's not what they want to do. On top of it, too, if you think, like, I hate to say it because there's a lot of homegrown talent in AEW. But do you really want to see Jericho versus Miz? Is that a dream match? I think we might have seen that before. FTR, who I like, versus the Usos? I think we might have seen that. You know, I mean, you might. Now, Young Bucks versus New Day. Yeah, that would be cool. Darby Allen versus, you know, I'm sure somebody like, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Montez Ford, you know, like somebody like that. That could be a really cool match. Um, MJF versus somebody. Miz, you know, that, that would be fun. Uh, <laughs> Sam Punk versus Triple H. There's a lot of matches that maybe you could see. I think we've seen that match, though. Have we? I think we've seen Punk and Hunter. I know how it ends. (laughs) (laughs) I believe there's a golden shovel involved. Um, But, you know, I I will say, I'm very hopeful for WWE. I think, based on what you guys have said, I totally agree. I think that this is going to be great. I'm now, I I agree with you, Roger, three hours is a slog. I'm not going to watch Raw on a regular basis by any means. But I have been catching the highlights of Raw, and I'm very, very likely now to watch the pay-per-views live. I'm more likely to do that now because I'm like, oh, what is going to happen here? And that actually makes it kind of good because I didn't want to – I mean, what was the Hell in a Cell? There was one match I wanted to see, and it was Cody versus Seth, and only because Cody tore his peck. That's the only reason I wanted to see that. And the the pay-per-view before, it was all rematches. There was nothing interesting. Clash at the Castle – already looks like it's going to be a good pay-per-view. 
that's a benefit already. The other thing too, um, like I will say with Triple H just coming in, um, I I would if Raw was on, I would rather watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette than watch Raw. If that does anything, and I don't watch that show. However, I have actually turned on Raw. I'm like, oh shoot, it is Monday. I'm going to turn Raw on, and I will. I've watched the third hour. I would say the last three weeks at the full thing, and that's why I was I was like, oh crap, I have been doing this. But it's because someone else took took charge. I'm sorry. Yeah, the last three, definitely. So I would watch the Hulu version. That like one hour, thirty minute cut. I could watch that. That's that's palatable to me. Yeah, and there wasn't much. I'm pretty sure that they cut out that you would have missed. There's probably like two or three throwaway matches. Almost came out. I was like, yeah, yeah. They could. I I hope they cut that. That needs to be on uh, main event somewhere. Doesn't matter where, but. Yeah, I, that's, you know, so the Hulu version, yeah, I do like that one uh, a lot because they do cut out a lot of the crap. But they also, if there's something important, they usually leave it in. So, um, and with this last Raw, I thought they tore it up. I really was like, oh my, I was like, who's going to attack AJ Styles? Dexter Loomis? I have a question for all three of you, but I want to start with Aaron. Um, you know, back, I want to say a few years ago, maybe 2020, we did a discussion about wrestler of the decade. Let's go fast forward eight years and WWE is not, let's say attitude era. Cause I don't think, I think that was a flash in the pan. We'll never get that again, but let's say that we get to a point where it's kind of like the SmackDown six or the NXT golden era where WWE is firing like NXT used to be. We're getting great shows, good pay-per-views. Does that now make triple H the greatest of all time? Well, you can't even question it, Aaron. And I want you to start. If he can literally make next as as the greatest wrestler of all time, is he the greatest? Well, I mean, look, you put Vince in the Hall of Fame for his wrestling contributions, so I guess we can call what he's done for all of wrestling, like Mm -hmm. making it a big thing. Yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, Hunter, if he is able to make WWE uh, just as good of AEW, if not better, does this make him arguably the most important man in wrestling history? In wrestling history, no, I, I would, I would not argue that. Is he one of the top 10 most important wrestling figures? Then yes, because, you know, obviously, look, Hogan, Vince, uh, The Rock, Stone Cold. I think that those people, their contributions are, you know, unarguable. Like, you know, Andre the Giant. There's so many people that you can put in there uh, to talk about their contributions for wrestling. Triple H, in my opinion, if you're talking the 2010s, he's the booker of the decade hands down like he is the best booker if i'm starting a wrestling promotion day if we were doing like a fantasy promotion i would want triple h to be my booker like that's who i would pick because he has been he has unequivocally done a very good job of making sure that people are interested in tuning in nxt was very good under his leadership the moment it went to 2.0 you have an asian girl who sleeps and that's her gimmick and like i've never seen a match Maybe you guys will, maybe you'll say like, oh, actually she's a pretty good wrestler. Maybe she is. I don't know. She sleeps. That is her gimmick. She is a sleeper. Like, I don't understand that. And that's not something that Triple H did. He didn't have gimmicks like that. He had good wrestlers. It was the king, the, the super indies was NXT. And I really wish it would have stayed that way because they they had some really good things and they were bringing people up to the main roster. Obviously they failed. Uh, with that said, I think that Triple H would not be the greatest of all time, but I think he'd be in discussion for a top 10 most important uh, people in wrestling history. Does he make the Mount Rushmore of wrestling or at least WWE? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I, 
it, it's hard to say right now and predict what the future is going to hold. Um, but I do have high hopes for him. I loved what he did with NXT. So let's see if he can do it on a full scale version of making NXT uh, SmackDown and Raw, because now you're moving from what, what was a hour show uh, to, it went to two, uh, but now you're going to be in charge of five hours of TV. If you don't count all the other shows that we don't watch. Um, it's it's going to be a task, uh, and we'll see what he can do. I, I I just I don't want to put any anything out there yet. I have faith that he's going to make it very entertaining, but will it be lasting entertainment? I don't know. Andy, <sighs> tough. I think at the end of the day, as much as I I have a weird thing against Triple H, but I think that he wouldn't be in the position he is in if he wasn't married to the boss's daughter. But as a booker, I think we've seen what he's done as a booker and how storylines can be drawn out and he, and they don't have to have everyone on TV every week. I mean, I know Austin theory hasn't been on for a few weeks for, uh, you know, personal reasons, but he's gone. But when he comes back, it's just going to be the same guy. Uh, almost apparently, um, was it was on main event last week, and he was on Raw this week, so they don't have to have him, you know, that huge of a guy on every week. So I think that's the I think that's uh, if he if he uh doesn't have to deal with uh, people saying that he can't do certain things, like uh, oh you have to have Ro- Roman have to, has to have the belt until next WrestleMania, I think he would just say no and do what he needs to. Um, Vince, on the other hand, would say, no, Roman's going to keep it till WrestleMania. And I think that's a mistake. And I think now that with Triple H bringing certain guys back, I think that's there's signs that, okay, this is not going to be, oh, uh, Clash at the Castle. I mean, they're already setting something up pretty much for the pay-per-view right afterwards. I can't, I don't even know what the September show is, but they're setting something up already with, you know, Cross coming in. So, and with Dexter coming in, you know that that he's setting up a storyline that is not going to happen at Cat Clash of the Castle. It's going to happen after the fact. And if the, if he is able to be successful, especially with these next few storylines, and he gets a, a gem that just takes off, you know, we would have to say he's one of the best bookers. I mean, besides you know Tony Khan right now, but. <laughs> I actually think the, the kind of the number one thing that's nice about Hunter's influence beyond just his own booking is that he's cleaning out the people that were a problem. Bruce Pritchard, hopefully Kevin Dunn at some point, John Laurinaitis, all of that kind of old guard that added not only added no value, but had just a stupid way of doing things. Right. Like Laurinaitis, his um, belief about what the women wrestlers should look like is notorious and quite frankly it's pig-headed and disgusting um and also illogical considering they didn't see value in tony storm which blows my mind um yeah i I just don't get it and now you know we we see the way that the women's division has been booked in nxt it's a feature highlight fantastic some of the you know bailey sasha oscar ember uh, Shayna Baszler, you know, the actual women wrestler of the year, had some just fantastic runs in NXT. And, you know, if there's a criticism to be made of AEW, it's that the women just don't feel important. That is just the truth. They do not feel like main event attractions. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair felt like a main event attraction in SummerSlam. They felt important. The crowd loves Becky. Asuka, when she was down at NXT, felt important. You wanted to see what she's going to do. 
and kind of just getting rid of that old guard and getting rid of the old way of thinking. You know, the one thing I loved about NXT and I love about AEW, stables. Just having people associated with one another so that even if you're not in a program, by proxy you're doing something. Just changing kind of that stupidity of W tag teams. We don't have to worry about every single tag team breaking up for no apparent reason without anything to do before they get released because that's not really Hunter style. And when a tag team breaks up, it's DIY and it's a big deal. And you're like, oh, trust issues happen, not just let's have end zone cast break up and then both go heels six months later and then they both cut six months after that. I mean, it's just I think there's progress to be made. I don't know if 2.0 will recover. Like, I don't think 2.0 will ever be what NXT was. But if SmackDown can be what NXT was, I, I think Raw, I will say, as long as it stays three hours, is probably never going to be good again because three hours is just too long to book for consistently. But if SmackDown can be anything close to the SmackDown Live era or the uh, SmackDown 6 era and let that be kind of the show that shines and let Raw be the Logan Paul, the Miz, the Bad Bunny, kind of all that extra nonsense, I think you got a winning formula. They can still make money. And, uh, I, you know, with uh, Ryan Ward now being the uh, vice president of creative, I mean, that says something as well. So Is that current? Yeah, I actually just went to his LinkedIn page. <laughs> And it says he's a uh, he changed his title. It now says vice president creative uh, writing, but he was something else right before that because I looked him up. I was like, hey, what's he up to? So, yeah. The other big thing I wanted to mention, the commentary. Michael Cole is not a favorite of mine. I've never loved Michael Cole, but the only time I prior to Vince leaving enjoyed Michael Cole was the UK tournament, where it was him. And I want to say Nigel and Vince wasn't screaming in his ear. And he actually like sounded kind of human. I don't know what Cole was on at SummerSlam, but it was hilarious to basically have him call out Vince without him calling out Vince. Like he made it very clear. This is a new era and I don't have to do all this stupid crap. You yelling in my ear, you know, Gray's made a point of saying, I miss when you weren't allowed to have an opinion. And Cole's like, well, it's different now. And I'm like, wow, he just does not care. And yet didn't it feel better? Like if Mora was ever going to come back to WWE, this is his chance because I think, you know, the, whoever is on Raw is terrible. I, I don't know that guy's name, Jimmy Smith or whatever. I always think he's the Jaguars receiver. He sucks. Byron Saxton sucks. Give me Morrow back. You give me Morrow, and I want to listen to him call matches. And, you know, he loved Hunter. I don't ever need to see JBL come back on commentary. Um, Pat McAfee's fine. Him and Cole are great together. Let those two pair up for the rest of life. But the commentary just seems so much more fresh and fluid. And I didn't have to hear catchphrase, buzzword, nickname every five seconds, which is what the old commentary was, you know, insert blah 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 um you know so many things i'm just happy that vince has gone for i, I didn't notice fifteen thousand spastic cuts it used to like give me a headache when you would watch wwe because it would be cut here cut here cut there cut here cut here and i'm like what just happened and now it's like i can just watch the match and they'll cut sometimes but it's not you know i'm not having a seizure because of it so you know even those little small changes those touches are better in my opinion yeah, the other thing also they did with Raw, because um, I just right afterwards they started putting things up about the person, which reminded me of the when Matt Hardy did his version one gimmick and it would give Matt facts, but this does the same thing now. It gives you three uh, key points about it, and like the Miz's was funny. He is one of his was does not like uh, Logan Paul, which I found hilarious. Like you know, AEW's I, lower third, like that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's like it has three things on the like left side of the screen, and I'll say and like, I mean that, like a uh, triple crown champ. Like instead of like they had mm-hmm. different ones to the point, I was like, okay, this is cool. They need to continue to do this and change them up every week. I mean, you can have a triple crown, just leave it there. But if you have, I thought it was very fresh that they changed it to that. 
And they, they've been doing stuff like that a little bit, but it is important because, you know, Stan Lee used to say everyone's comic book could be their first one. You could have somebody who's literally never read Spider-Man before and be like, what is this? And it gives a little backstory or potentially in last month's issue, this is what was happening or here's what's been going on in Spider-Man's life. If this is your first comic book you picked up in 10 years and that's important. And I think with raw or SmackDown, like what's been going on? Oh, wait, Miz is a trip. He's a former champion. Like, oh, I missed that. Like, but apparently he's a big deal. Or who's this new person? I've never heard or see, seen him before. Why is he important? Why is he a big deal? Like Karrion Cross. Like, you know, if if you never watch NXT and you're turn, tuning in SmackDown, why is he important? He's a big guy. He looks impressive. But like, what did he do? Oh, he's a former NXT champion. Okay, he's a former champion. All right. So that means I must have done something. And then you see him destroy Drew McIntyre. Like, oh, wow. This is somebody. And that's, I think, very important to do for new people coming in because that way they can figure out what this person is, what makes them important. And AEW does that in such a great way with the win-loss records. They don't need to go back to the history of time, but I think just having a little bit, you know, like there are five and there are five uh five wins in their last seven matches, things like that. That you understand why they are important and why they should be wrestling this person. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting to see how things play out, especially with Vince retiring. Like, it's just very, uh, it looks, it looks, the future looks bright. If you would ask me this three months ago, I would have been like, they're screwed. Like, they're losing everyone. Who else is going to leave? Now it's kind of like, ooh, who's going to stay? And I'm also wondering who's going to try and jump ship from AEW because I know a lot of those guys signed three and five year contracts, but some of those have to be coming up here soon. I, I would be interesting to see someone like orange Cassidy, but I don't think he would ever work in WWE. He's one of the guys I would love to see there, but I know he won't work. MJF would, but, and I final think- question for all of you about the Vince news. Is this the biggest wrestling news of the two thousands? Cause the only other one I could think of was when WWF purchased WCW, which ended effectively the Monday night wars and kind of created that wrestling landscape. Other than that, I don't know, you know, the Ben Wild thing was a big deal, but it was different. Um, it was, I mean, it was a crime related news that just happened to be WWE. Like this is, this is a scandal, but it's a wrestling scandal. So it's like, is this bigger as big? Cause I definitely would say it's shocking. Like I could have seen WWE at one point, maybe taking over WCW. I don't know that we ever believed Vince would step down. Um, and also to Doug's point, how did this not come out during me too? I think we even talked about this, that it was surprising during that whole thing that Vince McMahon of all people, like, you know, there are some people when they do something, you're like, he didn't seem like that type of guy. Not a single person went, I think these women are lying. This doesn't sound like Vince. Every single person went, no, this is on brand. This is the character that Vince McMahon portrayed. This is the way that Vince McMahon has acted in his personal life. I mean, you don't have to go back very far where there's the Rita Charlton scandal where he was accused of forcing himself. There's the, uh, I want to say the, Cocoa Beach, something like that in Florida with the massage therapist. And I'm not talking about Watson for once. You know, he's had plenty of things on screen. He forced himself onto women. I know Ashley Massaro brings up things and, you know, there's a litany of allegations against him. So I don't think anyone was like, I can't believe that Vince did this. But how, to Doug's point, how did this not come out a year ago when every single person and their mother was getting outed in this scandal and somehow Vince survived another year? Kind of blows my mind. I think it also <laughs> deals with the fact that. You know, there were money, pay- there was hush money that was paid out. And I'm wondering if they started negotiating the deal and it just took forever to finally happen. But the other, the previous ones from like 07 and 09, 
I'm surprised that they didn't say anything, but maybe their NDA was strict about like what they're allowed to say. And like, you know, just think, just think of it this way. If Triple H was like, if you have an NDA and you got a payout, it's lifted. That would change everything. Mm-hmm. You, you think Hunter really took that Cerebral Assassin nickname to like the corporate <laughs> world and said, I'm taking down Vince? He could. If he, if, if, if he really wanted to, if they were looking that bad, that, that would probably be some type of uh, option that they would consider. It could have been Stephanie then. Like if we're going to go Games of Thrones, this, she was forced out of the company and then just became co-CEO. Like it wouldn't – and she would know her father's leecherous behavior. Like she would have probably seen it many times. It wouldn't have shocked me if it comes out that someone contacted Stephanie and like, hey – you want your company back? I got a little proposition for you. So, I mean, I, look, I, obviously we're throwing stuff at the wall and who knows, but would it shock me if Stephanie outed her father? Not really. And I don't, I don't know that she was wrong to do so. I mean, truthfully told, she got, I don't know why she got pushed out. Did they ever come to light why she was kicked out of WWE? I know she stepped in. So when she was dealing with advertisers, I guess they would, after meetings, some people slowly came out that they thought she was unprofessional and that she really didn't know what she was doing in that um, in that job. So because really? that because uh, it was also and I don't remember the percentage, but there is a there was a, a, a noticeable percentage once she took over from advertisers to what it is now. There was a there was a notable difference. So, like so a drop. yes, like a it, it was over. I know it was over. It was double digits. I just don't remember. If it, I want to say it was 15 or 20 percent, but it was enough. That's enough. Where like even five percent. That's a yeah. that's a lot of money, but at that time you got to remember they had the Saudi money. They still yeah. do. That could float yeah. them and everybody for you know a couple of years every time they do one of those shows. So they probably weren't caring about that that much. But still, you would think that they would still it would have a certain level of revenue every year, and it wasn't. And that's that was why they she disappeared. But then I find it hilarious because what like a month later she's back. Well, because, I mean, with since January, three separate McMahons have essentially been forced out of the company. Shane after the disastrous rumble, Stephanie after what you just described, and then Vince because of the scandal. Like, the McMahon family is literally getting kicked out of wrestling, and Stephanie comes back, obviously. But it's like, that seems very odd. So what you're saying does make some sense. But then why does she if, – if she was that bad, how did she fail upward into the CEO position? Because that's essentially – the last name McMahon. It's it's, it's, a, it's a legacy company. Yo, I mean, you know, I don't know what the board, who's on the board or whatnot, but like Nick Khan is a co-CEO. He could have been the CEO. And well, I don't know. I don't so know. so Nick Khan is a businessman, and so he's taking over the business side of things in relations to the uh, the relationships. Where Stephanie knows wrestling. I mean, she does. You know, even yeah. if like she's failed upwards, she still was involved in wrestling. She knows how to run the wrestling side of things, and her and Triple H are going to do that very well. I think. Uh, Nick Khan is going to take ownership of everything else. And I think that that actually could work out potentially for him, that they have a sale, you know, they do, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see. I, I will say Roger real quick to your point about like important things that have happened. I don't want to say it's the most important. I, I think that purchasing the WCW and ECW, I think that is probably the biggest thing that has happened. Um, that's number one. I think the, the uh, launch of the network is also another big one. I think that this might be number three. I'd say like Benoit is also a big one and launch of AEW. I think that's another big thing that's happened. Hmm. That's five things you brought up and yeah, all five of those could be, but yeah, and and I do think that uh, WWE buying WCW, I think is a big is is a huge deal. 
but something about Vince and the legacy part of it, when like you got to think, it was his father's company, and then it became Vince's company, and then Vince also lied to his father, which everyone hated his father about, which I keep forgetting about how you're only going to stay up here, <laughs> and then he's like, "Screw you!" <laughs> so I'm going to go everywhere. So I mean, I I think I mean Vince had that. I mean he's had that job forever. I mean like what since the 70s? So that entire time, and then all of a sudden hit. His pants is what screwed everything over. No Do we think this is done in the business world? Like, because to Aaron's point, he's not going to go golfing. He's either going to die or he's going to do something else. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if within the next couple of months we hear about Vince's passing. It's just one of those sad things that when people truly retire after doing everything that they love, they just lose a, a will to live. And, um, I mean, if you're asking me about the importance of this, this is truly a landmark uh, event in it. And I mean, you can call this is truly a new era. Like you could say the last couple eras of WWE, you know, whatever they are. But if you're going to talk about true eras, you have the Monday Night Wars. You have the Attitude Areas eras is that is that era. And then you have the in-between time. And now this, this is going to be the post uh Vince McMahon. So, you know, you call it the PVM era, I guess. Uh, it, it's it's going to be surprising. Um, you know, who knows what the next big landmark timing is. I mean, this truly is to me like a, you know, you have BC, you have AD. This is that kind of change of, of, of moment. And to be able to re- re- recognize it as it's happening right now, I think is, a, is an astonishing thing and just proves about how big of a fact that this is uh so that's my two cents of that yep so that's uh that's what we had to talk about for our monthly topic so far so let's get right into wwe so let's talk a little bit about uh SummerSlam. let's talk about roman no no i don't want to talk about roman let's talk about lesnar's uh match um so so roger lesnar had an interesting thing that he did during this match you want to talk about it? I do. Uh, Brock Lesnar is a country boy through and through. You know, when he's not wrestling in WWE 10 weeks out of the year at most, he is on his farm up in, I think, either South Canada or North Minnesota, somewhere on that border. You know, he he hunts. He does his thing. You know, I'm pretty sure that man goes out into the woods with his bare hands and kills a grizzly bear just because he can. Because it's Brock Lesnar. Who's going to stop him? But he decided to bring a tractor to Nashville. Um I most of the time do not like Brock Roman matches. I think they've only had one good match prior, and it was the first one. I, I thought 31 was a good, hard-hitting, brutal match. The rest have sucked. This match was fun. Like It wasn't a classic in the technical sense, but there's just something about Brock Lesnar driving a tractor to the ring, cutting a promo in like the kind of top of the tractor, throwing the mic, and I give Roman credit. He caught that as smooth as humanly possible, just slick and cut. I mean, just— I don't know. Everything about it just felt kind of like the attitude air. He jumps off the tractor, right? It gave you a little bit of that Austin vibe where he would bring a car to the ring and then jump off of it. And it was insane. And at one point, I believe he took the tractor and lifted the, I mean, that visual, right? That will be one of those visuals that should stay in the kind of the WWE opening montage for the rest of their company's history. It, it was just cool to see the ring and Roman kind of goes tumbling down. And you're like, what is going on right now? It, it was a fun, wild, excellent conclusion to what has been a few that has gone on far too long. You know, if this had been three matches, you know, 31 this SummerSlam, and maybe you do another WrestleMania in between, I think we'd look at this as an Austin and Rock-type feud. Instead, it became 
long, overdone, drawn out. It, it oddly enough will mark the end of the Vince McMahon era, so we may remember it for that reasons alone. But overall, look, I enjoyed the match. And if this is the last time we see Lesnar, farewell. I will miss him, but I don't blame Hunter and Brock for moving on. And a good conclusion. And if he comes back, you know, I trust that Hunter will use him better. I just, I don't think he's coming back. I think he may be done to the point to like, if I'm in JPW, I might reach out and say, hey, Brock, you want to come do a couple appearances over here? And I know they didn't end on the best of terms, but when he talks. I, I think the only uh, time that he might come back is maybe for the Saudi shows, because, you know, apparently for whatever reason, Crown Jewel, they like to have Brock Lesnar there because he's a, an attraction. So he makes $5 million for an appearance. Yeah, it might be worth it, you know. And Shawn Michaels uh, is still spending that money that he got paid. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. That never happened. We don't acknowledge it. We don't talk about it. We pretend it never happened. He ended his career at 26, and that is the way I remember it. It's like Jordan on the Bulls. The shot against the Jazz is the end of his career, and we will speak of nothing else. Yeah, totally agree. I yeah, and I totally agree with what you said there, Roger. I mean, the visual, the tractor thing, that was insane. That is that is going to get posted on social media. That's going to be on Squared Circle. That is going to be everywhere. People are going to be talking about that spot because that is such a big deal. And WWE, you know, I know we've probably talked about this to death, but they make moments. And that's the thing that WWE does so well. That is a moment that they made that is going to be used. I mean, for 2022, that'll probably be one of the biggest moments inside the ring. Uh, one of the biggest moments uh, that they've done is going to be at SummerSlam with that tractor. So I, I think that was really awesome. Andy, let me ask you, because Austin Theory kept teasing the cash-in, and he was going to cash-in. And the last couple of weeks, I don't think he hasn't really been around. They haven't been using him. Do you think that he's going to cash-in sometime soon, or are they going to drag it out where he's going to cash-in on whoever beats Roman? <sighs> if they have Karrion win the title and Theory cashes in, that'll be a huge – there's no point of bringing him in. So I don't see, I don't see it being him, but I see someone like Jinder maybe winning it. Um, and just, just so theory can come in and beat them up and then we all can laugh about it. And then we're then like theories, like, uh, he's the hometown hero after that. They see them beating Jinder up, up the entire time, just over and over and over again. Just, you know, rock bottom after 3d vertebrakers done on improperly, you know, stuff like that. But no, I, I think that eventually he'll, uh, he will cash in, but I think they're going to wait until like. I don't know, like November, December, sometime around then. I don't think he's going to keep it till WrestleMania. I think that'll be a mistake. I think he's going to cash it in though when we don't ex- when we when it's there's nothing that would benefit. I think they'll just let him cash it in, but in a, in a way where you weren't expecting it, like surprise us because I think every I think besides like two of the cash ins, I, I mean they were very predictable, and that was Edge and then uh, Seth Rollins. I mean, I all the other ones I don't think were very very predictable in my opinion. I, you know, I, right. I don't, I don't know that there was another one that was unpredictable. Um, Punk's was, I wouldn't say it was predictable per se, but we didn't exact because he was a face when he cashed in on a face. So it was kind of shocking when he cashed in on Jeff. If, if I was doing this, I would actually have Drew McIntyre beat Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle and have Austin Theory come out to cash in where he gets booed. He's going to get booed out the building. And then Drew McIntyre gives him a Claymore. Before he can cash it in, because then that's going to get that's going to be an insane pop because Drew McIntyre is a white meat baby face that the crowd really enjoys and seeing him interact with the crowd. The crowd loves him in the same way they love Cody Rhodes. So, like, they've done a great job elevating those two into the main event status. That is what I would do, because that way, you know, that Austin Theory is waiting in the wings 
And when he cashes in, it's going to be a big heel moment. And Drew McIntyre took that heel moment away from him. So then he's like, yay, good job. But he can cash in at some point. And next pay-per-view, Extreme Rules or whatever it is, he could potentially cash in there or the Saudi show or somewhere else. So, I I mean, that's probably what I would do. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of different things that they they could go with. And who knows if Drew wins both titles? Maybe they do one. You know, there's a lot of possibilities for Clash of the Castle when that happens uh, here in a few weeks. I think there's one scenario that has not been done with the Money in the Bank, because that's one of the problems that you've kind of seen it all. No one has cashed in a Money in the Bank contract on someone else trying to cash in a Money in the Bank contract. If I were WWE, I would have Theory hold it literally until the next Money in the Bank, which basically he would have to expire. The first guy would win it. He cashes in, and then you have Theory cashing over top of him. Maybe you have him off TV for a month so we forget about him, and then in one fell swoop, he's won the title and eliminated the most dangerous threat to the champion, which is the Money in the Bank contract. And now, hey, look at that. He looks like a genius, and now you have to beat me straight up. There's no contract to cash in on me. I just – it's one of the rare things that hasn't been done. You know, if you ever do another situation where someone's defending the title in the Rumble, cash in it and say, I'm number 31. It would be shocking. I mean, so there's a couple scenarios, but there's not much left. You know, I thought maybe he would cash in a last man standing and win at nine, but that's what I would do because you need to do something different with it. You can't do the same, you know, cowardly heel cash in every single time. You got to switch it up. You know, uh, Heist of the Century was new, Edges after the Elimination Chamber was new. So, you know, and you need something that makes Theory memorable and elevates him into the star. If he cashed in over the uh, money in the bank, that's kind of a big deal. Or cashing at the end of a rumble, that's a big deal. Yeah. And then the other thing that uh, we were talking about, Karrion Cross, of course, he, him and Scarlett uh, decided to show up on SmackDown. It was very wor- weird. Uh, but Karrion took out uh, Drew McIntyre, and then Scarlett put a, put a little uh, um, hourglass. Thank you, an hourglass down, and uh, basically saying your time's almost up. So this is something that could happen. You know, if you want to get really like uh, uh, trying to play Booker, I mean, there's a potential when you think about it that Karrion could come out and beat both Drew and Roman down. And then Theory could cash in, hypothetically. I mean, that there's always that option. But you can also say Theory only cashed in on one of the titles. You know? <laughs> but that that could be something that happens. But yeah, Karen Cross, he showed up. Uh, very shocking, especially because he comes in and you're and you're like, oh my gosh, we just had, you know, uh, a couple of other rele- released wrestlers just come back, and now he's back. Where where what's going on here? And it's to me, it's still fresh. It's like, okay, well, yeah, he was gone for a little bit, but. I th- I think it's smart that they did that. So uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious, Aaron. What do you, what do you think that bringing him back was smart? Yeah, I, I do. And I'm, the thing is, and I've talked on here before about carrying cross, and it sounds like I'm the biggest fan. I'm I'm not, but like if I was having a promotion, he would be somebody I would put in there because he has a great look to him, and he has a smoking hot you know uh, fiance wife. Like I like that his package is amazing. Like the way that they have made him, it's awesome and. I, you know, I know what Adam Cole had said. I totally agree with him. You know, all you have to do to make me feel special is ring the bell. I get it. Adam Cole's a guy I would put above him. You know, if I'm drafting, Adam Cole goes before Karrion Cross. All right. Hands down. But Karrion Cross has a great look to him. And what they did with him before was criminal. It was absolutely criminal to have him lose out of nowhere. Uh, with that said, I think that it's awesome. I think he should be elevated to the top right away. You have some other people returning. I know we'll talk about like Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is great. I, you know, he's a mid card guy. You know, he's not, he's not a main eventer. I think that he can go maybe float to the upper, but like really, I see him as only a mid card and he's like 38, 39. So, you know, he's not going to be around that much longer, but he's, he's interesting. 
And you could have him for a short stint potentially too. But carrying cross is a guy that I would put a lot behind if I could. And I would, I would elevate him. Like, I'm not saying, you know, if the, if the title wasn't on Roman, if it was on drew and Carrion was working his way up, I could see Carrion taking the title off of him. You know, I don't know if I'll see, we'll see that soon, but I, if Carrion was champion by the end of next year, it would not shock me a champion. I should say, you know, like at, on SmackDown or raw. So it's funny because when Hunter was announced as taking over, one of the people I thought I kind of a little made a list in my head and said of the people that I would get on the phone with immediately, Karen Cross is up there. I also am not a massive Karen Cross fan, but I think there's value in a guy who has a look like him, who has um, the kind of presence that he has. Oh, and by the way, his fiance is ridiculously attractive. Like say what you want. She is not a wrestler, but Scarlet draws eyeballs. Like if I'm flipping through channels and I see her, I'm stopping. Like I'm, I'm just going to see what on earth this woman is, this ridiculously beautiful woman is doing. And then Karen Cross looks dominating. You know, he has a very almost triple H like Shao Kahn kind of package about him, you know, with the dominating the, you know, he, he just, he looks intimidating. And then on top of that, it's like the reverse of the Adam Cole speech. If you give him the flashy entrance, you give him the beautiful hot blonde, you give him uh, an actual booking presence, he feels special. So, yeah, you're right. He's not Adam Cole. He doesn't need to be Adam Cole. I can just ring the bell with Shawn Michaels. Some people you need to actually present and and actually hide their weaknesses and accentuate their strengths because that's what a good booker should be doing. And to me, Karen Cross should be the leader of Judgment Day. Finn Balor never made sense to me in that because Finn Balor himself is a great character without that. If you had him leading a stable of Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest with Scarlet, great. Fantastic. Throw another guy in there so you have maybe a trio, not Finn Balor. That works for me. So, And I agree with you. I wouldn't have him as the face of my company, but he can be that – he can be what they believe Baron Corbin should be, which is a second-tier heel who can fight the upper card but is actually interesting and can wrestle and doesn't look like a guy who should be serving me fries at a restaurant. Like, Karrion Cross looks impressive. It's the same thing I said about Drew McIntyre. This guy makes me stop the channel and go, what is he doing? That's the kind of people that you want on your roster on Karen Cross is a great hire for Triple H. I I enjoyed his run in NXT, even if he wasn't the greatest wrestler in the world. He's not Chompa, he's not Gargano. He adds value. And him going against McIntyre, that's interesting. I, I think that's a good heavyweight battle. So good move on his part. Yeah. Uh I I'm I'm interested to see, you know, now that we had Dex we had, you know, Karrion, we had Dexter come back, which I I, I really Really, really, I really like uh, Dexter coming back, um, but I, I'm surprised he went to the main roster. I thought he was going to be in NXT, but he has the build where he could actually, um, uh, you know, do something on the main roster. And, and he's going back to the old, uh, like, Dexter, the TV show gimmick, so, which is fine. Stalker, great. You know, they did it wrong with DDP. Maybe they'll do it right with Dexter. Um, the um, other- where's Andy Hartwell? Oh, gosh. I think she's still in NXT. Yeah, so. And yeah. just doing it because I feel like she's actually like a a stalker couple could be very interesting. Like you have the two of them be that kind of couple that lures people out. They act like they're their friends and really are stalked. There's some interesting stories to be had with that. And instead of him being, you know, because obviously you have to be careful with what you do on television. So Dexter stalking a woman might particularly raise some red flags. But if you had Andy doing it, then it's woman on woman violence. So it's a little bit different. You can do some angles where you don't have to imply that Dexter is the one who hit the one, you know, like you can just, and honestly, what is Indy Hartwell doing with her character? Like, why not take a shot? See if it's something they can get over. 
Yeah. And I mean, they've already brought back some other women and they've, you know, elevated some as well. I mean, we had, you know, for example, uh, Shayna Baszler. I mean, she won a gauntlet match to take on Liv Morgan at Clash of the Castles. And that's somebody who Triple H liked because she was undefeated for a long time. She did. She had a great run in NXT. But also, I think the other big thing, and this is probably I don't know if it's a bigger one, but Io Shirai, now Io Sky. Dakota Kai and Bailey returned. In fact, uh, kind of funny, but Bailey made a flub uh, on on Raw saying um, Dakota Sky, and she's like, "Yeah, I know, I made a mistake. I'm all flustered up, you know." And she caught it like immediately, you know. So like, even though it was a botch, like she totally turned it around. It's like, oh, good on you. Like they're giving you freedom. You don't have just that script that you're reading. But uh, to your point, though, Roger. Uh, you could have Indy Hartwell also come up because you have three women return. You have somebody who's been elevated now as Shayna, who's not no longer in the background. You could have, you know, somebody else like come in. Um, and also there's rumors of potentially Sasha Banks and Naomi returning. There's that possibility too. Right now, the, the WWE, their women's divisions are actually looking really, really good. And it makes me excited to watch them. Uh, Andy and Aaron. What are your thoughts on Io Shirai being put in a stable as opposed to being brought up and being like a featured player by herself? I don't think she could. I, I think it, you. I think it's still the mentality of uh, like the the oh, how should I put it the big market uh, where they're going to make all their money. I don't think you could do that with someone that you know is not. I mean, like I think they got lucky with Cena. I think they got lucky with Rock, um, but I think Rock actually was more of a movie star opposed to a wrestler. I don't see. I don't think you could do that with EO. I think you have to do it this way. And I think that, yeah, they'll, then they'll get, you know, Bailey will help the group and they'll get elevated and everything. But I think at the, at the end of the day, I don't think she could, I think then if she breaks away from the group, you, she could be something huge. Um, I'm not going to say Billy Kidman from like, you know, going back years ago when he left the flock, which Billy Kidman, after he did that, all right, he was, he was awesome. Uh, at least in my eyes, but if wins against Hogan, you know, I mean, true. If only he didn't have that seven-year itch. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, Andy. I think that um, Io Sky, you know, you want to mask weaknesses. You know, she is Jap- Japanese, and so, like, English is her second language. So she is not going to be a good promo, just plain and simple. Asuka's not a good promo, but Asuka got over with her wrestling. There's charisma outside the ring, and there's charisma inside the ring. Nakamura, charisma inside the ring is off the charts. Outside, I mean, outside the ring is too, but like, you know, he's not going to give a great promo, you know, not in English. Like I'd give a terrible promo Japanese, just plain and simple. Right. So I think putting her in a group helps mask that Bailey is a, a very good promo. And so you can, you can sick Dakota Kai, you can sick EO sky on people. And so I think that that's, that's what I would do. And potentially if Sasha Banks and Naomi return, you could have a pretty good feud going on there. It'd be two on three, and then you can just throw, you know, Bianca Belair in there every now and then, or Asuka or whomever else, and then you could have a three on three matchup. I so I actually disagree with you only for one reason. I think Io Shirai provides something that no other women's wrestlers provide, and that she is fantastic in the air. She mm-hmm. is like a luchador, and you know, she truly is a genius in the sky. And her wrestling can get her over because when you, you know, we were all at Chicago. Just her wrestling alone, the stuff that she was doing, the moonsault off the top of the cage and her ability to just do things that a lot of women simply just don't have the athletic ability to do. I think she would have been an instant star 
And the second reason is that I would have had Bailey called Dakota Kai, and then I would have had her grab Rachel Gonzalez or Ray Rodriguez or whatever her name is, because the one thing that group doesn't really have is size. Whereas if you have someone like a Raquel Gonzalez show up, that's size. That's an instant, oh, this woman is a threat. And then Dakota Kai is the mastermind, and then Bailey is the leader. I mean, I think that's a good trio. And to me, I, I, Io Shirai had a previous history with Asuka. I would have played on that connection because, I mean, look, Alexa Bliss, I know Doug loves her, not to say anything bad about her. She is easier on the eyes and she is in the ring. She's never going to be a fantastic wrestler. She's a better character. But if that match had been, let's, you know, six woman tag of Bianca, Io, and Asuka versus Raquel, Dakota, and Bailey, that's really an interesting match. Not that Dakota or um, that Io is a bad heel. I just think that she has singles potential in a way that maybe Dakota or Raquel simply don't. Now, um, speaking of, you know, people that have been brought in and obviously all these moves that they're making, Andy, let me ask you, Triple H is obviously bringing in folks that, you know, I mean, Dakota Kai was let go, right? And she's back, you know, potentially some other people, Dexter Loomis, you know, Karrion Cross were all let go. Now they're back. Is there anyone else that you can think of that you would want to bring back? Even somebody like at the very top of your list or somebody that like maybe you don't really think about that much. I'm going to say the Wyatt family makes a return. I mean, I think that I think it's clear as day at this point. I think um, uh, Eric Redbird, Redbeard uh, said something about change. And unless he shows up in AEW, I just I see that as WWE. And it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, like, it, you know, if you want to look at it from a certain way, like the, I look at the Wyatt family, like someone who would be perfect in is Dexter Loomis. Just put him with Braun. And uh, I can't think of his name. Uh what did what did he go? What did uh, Eric Redberg go by? Redbeard. Eric Roman. Uh, uh, Eric, Eric Roman. Roman. Duh. So Eric Roman, and then you know uh, have Braun Strowman come back as well. I think if you threw them all into a group, you could do the Wyatt family. Of course, it wouldn't be the same with uh, Brody Lee, but uh, it's or Luke Harper. It's still the same. But like, I think they could recreate it because he's psycho enough to be there. So I think you should bring those guys in. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they're gonna bring. I, I think Bray's a, a done deal. I just, I there's nothing that to me says that oh he's going to show up on AEW. I just don't see it. I think he's going to come back, and I think he's going to come. I think he'll come back as Bray as uh he'll go by Wyatt Six or whatever, and that's fine. Um, but I think if the, you have him come back, you need to have it very very special, like on a special Raw or something. And I think they need to do it before. I, if they do it, they should probably do it after they get back from the UK and just. Just so you're like, have a whoa moment. So I think he should come back at WrestleMania. Honestly, if you want to make this guy a big deal, you have him return and attack someone. Like, what a better place to make a return than come a rumble or right? like some big stage where he attacks and sets up a feud because he's all about those, like Aaron said, it's the moments, right? So you have him do a big, creepy moment. He cost someone the title for all I care. Um, and they, you know, Bray Wyatt is back at, with a vengeance or the, what was he, the fiend? Is that his gimmick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something to that effect, right? Where he's just a monster again. Um, Aaron, what about you? Cause I have a name in mind, but I want to go last. I'm just curious to see if you guys are thinking about the same thing. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I had a few, I, I think that Bray Wyatt is somebody, you know, just because of his size, just in general, you don't, he doesn't have to necessarily be with the Wyatt family, but he's a, he's a big guy. And there are some others that are kind of either mid card or low mid card, that sort of thing. You know, I'm thinking about like Tegan Knox, for example, like, you know, she's an NXT girl that you could bring back. Um, and put her in NXT. Like, you know, I know she kind of called up to the main roster and they didn't really do anything with her. But you could put her down, you know, in NXT and I, she's fine. She's, uh, you know, in the women's division, she's mid-card, right? Um, there was somebody else, something about that was NXT that got let go. And it was an unfortunate situation. I don't know how much in depth we went into it, but like Nash Carter, like 
Wesley, I like Wesley. I like them together as MSK. I would actually like to see them come back together. I would I would like to see a split up storyline with them, you know, or he could come back and they could be arguing. They could be like, hey, you left me, you know, like, I don't know if I can trust you, you know, and they could have those trust issues. Um, and I think the one that you and I are thinking about, I'm going to let you go because I think there's one that I think is the biggest one that I would bring in, you know, other than Bray Wyatt. I think that this is maybe the biggest one. And I think you might have the same thought that I do. Possibly. Um, I would say this. He was the one that I think we all said he was destined for greatness. Um, and we haven't talked about him in a while. And it's Velveteen Dream. Oh, yeah. I he is Gargano. Uh, no, I don't. Th- I think Gargano's gone. Okay, but I think Velveteen Dream was the one that you know. I, I I don't know exactly what happened outside the ring, but you could tell Hunter loved him. He had great stories. He had great charisma. He was improving in the ring. If he can get past whatever happened, and I don't know what happened, whether he did it or not, or was guilty or whatnot, he is such a fit for what they need on that main roster. That, you know, if they can, I don't want to say bury it and put it behind them, but basically, you know, okay, maybe it wasn't what we thought it was and it was a miscommunication or he, you know, something. I don't know how you want to do it. He has main event potential. He he just Mm -hmm. has charisma. He has the look. He has the build. You know, the only thing that torpedoed him was his maturity issues, which let's be honest, Shawn Michaels had maturity issues. Triple H had maturity issues. Plenty of guys have been successful in this business and being very immature when they were young. So if his past isn't as bad as maybe we thought and he can get over it, I think Hunter brings him in sooner or later and he becomes maybe the star that we thought it could be. That was the one that I was thinking of because, you know, I said, I think I had him two years running. That's the biggest disappointment. I had him paid for a WrestleMania main event at some point down the road and now he's not even wrestling. So if, if he can convince Hunter and look, you would be on strike 2.9. You don't get a speeding ticket. You don't look at anyone the wrong way. You screw up at all. You are out of here. We're not Randy Ortoning anything for you and changing the rules. Boy, if he can get his head on straight, my God. I mean, just, I remember him in NXT and he was constantly one of my favorites. Constantly. So- He's he's 26. He turns 27 here in a, a couple of days. And I mean, like, I, I agree. I think that he if we grew up in the age of social media, I mean, you know, we're late 30s, early 40s. If we grew up while social media was a thing, the stuff that we would have in ink that's not on, you know, like we can tell funny stories where I have a friend who lit my leg on fire on accident because I was playing with gasoline when it was 99 cents a gallon and I was making crap circles and he lit it on fire and it got on my leg. My leg was on fire. We can tell that funny story. Nowadays, it would be totally recorded. It'd be get thrown up on YouTube or TikTok and it would be like, oh, check out what these you know people were doing, like idiots, right? I'd be a meme. And, and well, and among other things. Stuff. Like- yeah. Think Among other terrible things, things used in the nineties, right? Like the things that we said that as an adult, I acknowledge were totally inappropriate, but I was yeah. 14. Like I was an idiot, like 14 year olds are dumb. Yeah. And, and people can grow. I really hope, I really hope that he has grown. You know, there's talent. There's, there's a point where like your talent is so good that it's not forgiving what people have done, but it's like acknowledging like this happened. Let's try to move past it. And try to be a better person. I, you know, I, I like to think I'm a better person than I was a year ago. I'm a way better person than I was five years ago or 10 years ago, let alone 20. You know, I hope that Patrick Clark is a better person today than he was two years ago or what he did five years ago when, you know, he allegedly did some of the stuff that he had done. So um, I agree. I think that I, I would want him to come back and I agree strike 2.9. Like that is where I would have him. 
I, w- I was going to mention something about Randy Orton, but uh, someone beat me to it. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, I think Gargano is probably the one that I still think. I, I really do think that he'll- Hunter will bring him in. But I, I think it's going to be it's going to be done the right way. I, I think it's going to be you're going to slowly see something happen where maybe he come, comes in as a heel. That's the only way I think they could do this right. Um, so people hate him and then all of a sudden he turns and then they could do another, uh, D, you know, DYI uh, feud, which would be kind of cool. And do you guys think the schedule will because one of the one of the downsides of why I think Gargano is gone isn't necessarily because of the creative, but you're on the road like 280 days a year. If you're a newborn dad, if you just got a newborn baby, I don't want to be away from my family seven eighths of the year. When let's be real, at AEW, I don't know what their schedule is. But they're not doing house shows. You can do your run, you know, uh, f- tape it, you know, or find on Wednesday if you have to do a ramp, you know, and then you're back by Friday. I mean, it's just it's so much easier to have a family. Whether it's him and Candice, uh, you know, just unless that schedule changes, that's always going to be a problem for people who want to actually see their family and you know part of it was that like look Vince was a workaholic he was psycho so to him being away from his family well granted his family all worked in the company but that was nothing to him that didn't matter you know but what was it Moxley I think at one point wrestled like 200 matches in a year your body just cannot do that I mean that's just not sustainable long term I think part of the reason he developed an alcohol problem was because of the beating he had put his body through. So do you think Hunter will knock that schedule down and say, Hey, look, we're getting money hand over fish from the Saudis. We're making money from the TV deals. Do we really need to keep doing these house shows that are, I believe they lose money on every house show. I think the idea was they needed to grow the business. It was an old school thing from the sixties, seventies and eighties, but in the era of social media and YouTube and uh, you know, pick your platform, are they needed still? Well, they've actually changed some house show stuff. I've been noticing because uh, they're coming uh, to this to my area. And I, the one thing I thought was weird is that they start on Saturday and then they're done on Monday. So they're doing basically if they flew in that morning, some wrestlers could be home by Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning. Is you it know? the SmackDown circuit that's doing that? Because that would make sense then. No, it's raw because Ross come because uh, here I'll double check it. But I'm pretty sure they said Ross coming to Peoria. And I thought that was kind of weird. And then I looked at their schedule. I was like, what? But um, amazingly enough, actually, I just took a look and uh, SmackDown's going to be in Seattle, apparently, this Friday. Are they? <laughs> so, yeah. If um, I didn't already have tickets to something else, I'd probably consider picking up a set of tickets and going. But I don't think my wife's going to let me uh, bail on the theater to go watch SmackDown. Maybe I'll just like <laughs> walk from the Paramount to Key Arena and no one will notice. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm also going to a performance. And just yeah, let you know, one point- it is raw, though. That, that's going to be there. So, yeah. And I think they're going to start doing the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, tours. Because that would make better sense. And then do NXT during the week. Um, I just I think that's what they're going to be heading towards, because, you know, how many people are going to show up to a house show in Moline, Illinois on a Wednesday? How many? Realistically, Friday, Friday, you already have Smackdown. Why have another house show when you don't need it? And I think that's what we're going to start to see, except I think it's going to transition where on uh, Sundays and Mondays, that's when you'll have a house show on Sunday and then the show on Monday and then you're done. I think that's what they're going to start to transition to. And I think they're going to put, I don't think you're going to see the main stars on both shows. I think you're going to see some uh, mid carters, but not the higher ups. So uh, the one point I, I want to make before we uh, end this discussion is about um, uh, Gargano. 
uh, you know, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins both just had a baby and they're both on the road. I don't know what type of time off they're getting. I assume that they're getting probably some sort of way. They're also like the main event, you know, like those two are Gargano necessarily isn't. So he may have to work a little bit more. Candice LeRae, who knows if she goes back, you know, Gargano will get a lot of money most likely. Uh, so maybe Candace doesn't need. And so Candace can be a stay at home mom potentially, you know, so there are some potentials I think there with that. But yeah, so I mean, I guess, uh, you know, with Gargano, I mean, I guess they'll figure out what the schedule is going to end up being for that. So you never know. Uh, but uh, anyways, but, uh, you know, with all this action packed action packed news that we had this this month, I guess uh, we'll just uh, we'll we'll cover AEW next time uh, more in depth like we uh, will do. Uh... All right. So that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow show on Altamark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and ending the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes. And until next time, see you in the ring.